In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the everyone and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolak, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable, the mystical, the magical, the macabre, New England's own Van Helsink. With me is not Mr. Cooper, he is off in the sands of mighty Egypt. We have the next best thing, we have his stud double, none other than Mr. Parascience himself, Stephen Parsons. Good evening, Ron. That's uh, that's a very gracious introduction. Well, we St- try to be, you know. Stud double. I like stud that. Stud double. So, what's up? Uh, you, you know, one thing I got to, you know, I always thought it was like Greenwich Mean Time out there. Is it, is it different time zone now than than I thought? Or no, we've 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 caught up. Um, you you went to daylight saving time uh, two weeks yeah. before we went to summertime. Um, so now we're we're five hours apart again. Okay, so what is that? I saw like BDT or whatever. I don't know what. Well, EDT, EDT is I think it's Eastern Daylight Time, which is what you're on. Uh huh. And BST is British Summer Time, which is what we're on. Okay, see, we're actually on EST. Oh, all right then. <laughs> Eastern Eastern Standard Time. We need ESP. <laughs> we need a freaking interpreter. <laughs> anyway, it's all Norrie's fault for putting 7 o'clock UK time when it's actually 8 o'clock and panicking everybody. I have no clue. And it, <laughs> you know, I'll be honest with you, it gets messed up every year, every time around daylight savings time. So yeah. anyway. How dare they change the clocks? <laughs> yeah, I know it. So anyways, welcome to Ghost Chronicles International on TojiNet, Pararex, Ghost Channel, and beyond. And uh, we have some uh, interesting uh, guests today, I believe. Yeah, we most certainly do. We have uh, an award-winning paranormal investigation group from my neck of the woods. Uh, The guys from Pembrokeshire Beyond, or Pembrokeshire Beyonce, as I like to say. Okay. I think they're there. Uh, Here I am. Hello. Oh, there he is. Hello. Okay. Wait, wait, wait a minute, guys. Before we get any, any what is a ward winning? I mean, where did you get your ward from? The Queen or what? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, there are certainly plenty of queens involved in the paranormal. I'm not touching that. Um, we, we, we got our awards at the, uh, the West Wales Spiritual Connection Awareness Awards, um, which are run for charity, allegedly, and are... 
um, a, just a great place for for you to 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 meet the other members of the spiritual community in and around West Wales, except for me. Oh yeah, but Steve, <laughs> Steve Parsons' name there, unfortunately, is 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 not good. Um, but um, really, yeah, I, I've never won an award for anything in my. Oh, I've got a swimming badge. Did you really? I borrowed it. Actually, it wasn't mine. Well, that's good to know. If you uh, ever come over here, then I know that you can swim. So that's just, you know, ducky. Uh, anyways, uh, we are speaking to, is, is it Andy or Sean? Um, it's Andy at the moment. Um, Sean okay. is on, uh, but I don't know how to get him into this conversation. There you go. <laughs> so so, so he, he is on Skype. He is ready. Um, I, I don't believe we have his Skype address. I think that's the, the problem with it. So maybe if you put it into the chat room. And by the way, if, you, you, if anyone's interested, they can join us in the chat room at uh, TojiNet or Pararex. Anyway, so let's hear a little bit about this group uh, you belong to, this, this, what is it again? We, we are, oh, I'm one of the co-founders of Pembrokeshire Beyond. Pembrokeshire um, Beyond. And basically... Um, we, we formed back in the, um, the winter of 2009 because um, uh, we got very, very bored um, because after about six o'clock in the winter, it gets really, really dark and horrible and there's nothing really much to do. No one really fancies like going out. Um, so we figured, why don't we go and use that time when it gets dark early to see if we can't hunt some, hunt some ghosts, really, and see if we can't find anything. Hmm. Um, now, do you have any background into ghost hunting or, or anything like that? Um, I, I did myself. I was part of a group that, w that had formed um, a long time prior to that, back in about 2004, called the Pembrokeshire Paranormalists, um, which was, you know, one of these that when, when shows like, you know, well, mainly most haunted, what is it? It's, you know, it's height. Um, it was um, run by a, a group of uh, local people that wanted to be, you know, Yvette Fielding and Carl Beatty and, and that sort of stuff. Um, and basically, um, that's my experience there is, is I did, went out with them a couple of times. We went to places, you know, down here like Scalton Manor and, and Margham Castle and that sort of stuff. Um, but then sort of tuned out of it for a long time, really became an armchair paranormal fan and then, then got really bored. And like I say, decided to give it another go, really. Now, now Steve, you're familiar with these guys, right? Oh, I'm very familiar. Sorry, I'm just passing you uh, Sean's Skype address uh, through the chat room. Um, yes, I've I've known the guys for uh, around two and a half years now. I think it is. That's about um, right. And we've we've been on one or two investigations together during that time. I'm not a member of the group, um, yes. but I'm certainly friendly with them most yes. of the time. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's some laughter there, so I'm, I'm not sure what's going on here. Uh, someone want to explain this to us? Go ahead, Andy. Um, Steve Parsons um, is without doubt one of the biggest influences on Pembrokeshire Beyond and, and what we do, or what we try to do. Um, and sometimes it has led to um, debates um, and, and headbutting, not not literally headbutting, by the way, I should add, um, yes. about things like, yeah, yet, <laughs> about things like, you know, investigation technique, investigation style, um, you know, all, all that sort of stuff, really. So, so you know, we, we've got um, 
I'm not, we, we, we love each everybody sort of 99% of the time, but 1% of the time we need a, we need a butt kicking and, and Steve is not afraid to deliver it. <laughs> I, I don't think Steve is afraid to do anything, to be honest with you. No. Except, except meet me. But anyways, uh, your address, your web address, you. of course, is Pembroke. www.pembrokeship.com.co.uk. There you go. .co.uk. And it's a good site. Go check it out. It's got some little videos on it and everything. So it's, it's kind of a cool site. Thank you very much. Now, I, I noticed uh, you, you have a lot of uh, different things. I, I, I don't know, you got this huge picture of a Ouija board on the, on the cover. And in fact, on the little pole to the left there, it says, uh, should Ouija boards be used on investigations? And currently, it's 47 to 44%. So, I mean, what's, what's your take on this Ouija board, and, and why is that on, even on there? Um, we, we like to, um, get people's opinions, really. Um, and I, people, oh, hang on. I think that's that Sean was? coming in from the other side. <laughs> it, it, it's either that or Steve Parsons firing up it's his lightsaber. Me. It's not me, it's Sean. Hi, hi, yeah, it's Sean, hi. Oh, God. Hello. Hey. Hello. It must be Sean, it's that northern accent. Yeah. He <laughs> sounds like the northern on the radio, doesn't he? Ah, he's just stroking his whippets. Right. <laughs> Uh, Sorry, Ron, that's, that's, a, that's a very uh, British joke. Uh, people from up north uh, breed ferrets, whippets, and keep pigeons. Don't you, Sean? Well, they do if they're from up north, but if you're from Wales, I don't think you do, do you? That's Doncaster, <laughs> that's like Rex. Um, <laughs> totally out of that. Okay. Okay. So anyways, um, back to the Ouija board. I mean, what's, what's the deal on the Ouija board? I mean, you guys, do you use it? And welcome uh, here, Andy, as well. Uh, Sean, or... I, 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 Andy's already been in. <laughs> Whatever. Um, yeah, um, we, um, we, we're, people have been using things like Ouija boards for, you know, for 100 years or more. Um, so we, we never close our mind to, to using them. Um, but also we know, you know, that they're open to things like suggestion and, and, and you know, manipulation and fraud and that sort of stuff. So we, 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 we don't use them regularly. Um, but you know we are open to using them if if the situation should should call for it really. So we we try to keep an open mind. Yeah, I actually I'm, saw a, a great little uh, cartoon on uh, Facebook, and it says uh, it had a little ghost, and it says we don't use Ouija boards anymore. We're into Scrabble. <laughs> <laughs> so I, we'll I thought that was... do, we'll have to go and toss Scrabble letters around next time we go uh, and see what happens. You know what? I actually thought of that, and, and uh, I think that I, I might just try that next next uh, investigation. Why not take some letters out there, throw it down, and see what the hell happens? If just just some... to be a complete spoil sport, Ron, it's been done. That's <laughs> using, okay. Um, using lexicon cards. Uh, lexicon. If you've got it over there, it's a game uh, by Waddington's from the 1920s. Um, very, very similar to Scrabble in the way it's played, um, uh -huh. with the, the word count, with the letter scores and the word counts. Mm -hmm. um, and they've been using those uh, letter cards from a lexicon set. It's actually been tried as a means of spirit communication. Did it work? Uh, it wasn't done by me. It was, it was tried in the, uh, just after World War II, I understand, um, by a seance group. Uh, they... they mm -hmm. It was a, it was really a version of, of uh, a Ouija board, but um, by throwing the the cards onto the table, it was hoped that words would be would be spelt out. It was sort of like make the make a word from the anagram of letters. Okay. Oh, no 
Do they got triple X score? But I mean, have they ever? I mean, uh, what are the the thing? They just throw the the cards on the table and then whatever they are, they're supposed to turn up. Is that the deal? Uh, the- there was there was a proceed. I don't actually have the uh, the paperwork to hand now, uh, but there was a sort of ritual involved and a procedure um, worked out for doing it. But essentially, they they ended up basically throwing the cards onto the table. Mm-hmm. Hence the expression, you know, lay your cards on the table. Oh, I'm very interesting. Talk to you. Did you ever hear of exquisite corpse? Uh, no. Don't think so. What about Andy and Sean? Exquisite corpse, did you say? Exquisite corpse, right? No, I've I've never heard that that term. No. Uh, look, 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 it, look, it, look it up in the internet. It's it, it's interesting. It was done by I was it now? I'm going to screw up the uh, movement. I think it's a surrealist surrealist movement or whatever. But basically, uh, you would just. Uh, write one word on a piece of paper and it would pass from person to person and then it would eventually, you would get a message from it. We've actually tried that in my paranormal study group uh, with interesting results as we always do. Sounds rather like, is it um, Consequences? The game that we play over here, party game. Well, it's, this, this is back from years and years ago and uh, there's actually, uh, they do the same thing with painting as well. Uh, they'll, mm-hmm. they'll, everybody will do a little bit, and uh, mm-hmm. this stuff will come out. It, it's kind of interesting, and, and the, yeah. it, it's got its name because that was the uh, first sentence that came out, and it's the exquisite right. court drank no wine or something like that. Some I forget the exact saying, but it, it's an interesting little uh, game, I guess you would say, or uh, method of communication, how you look at it. There you go, boys. There's a new one for you mm. to try on your next investigation. There you it's go. I, I, like... Like like tiny whispers sort of things, would you say? Is that, is that the type of thing that we're talking about? Uh, I, I think so. Like I said, you can go on the internet, look up Exquisite Corpse, Exquisite Corpse, and you, you'll find out some more information on it. And uh, mm. a- anyways, I mean, that, that brings up an uh, interesting thought. Have you ever, I mean, or do you uh, use, for instance, uh, old methods like, say, uh, dowsing or something like that, and new methods like EVPs or obelisks or something in conjunction with each other, and, and what type of results have you gotten with it? Um, do you want to answer that one, Andy, or shall I? Or? Um, we, well, oddly enough, when it comes down to um, dowsing, I think Steve gave me my very first pendulum just this weekend gone. Um, so, um, we're, we're sort of, um, again, we, we try to keep a very open mind about using things together. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I can't say whether we've had any definitive results. Whenever we, we've done it, we've tried, you know, things like two Iovlises running side by side or something like that. Um, and, and due to the Iovlises sort of, uh, sketchy nature, um, we've never really got anything that we would say is, is definite. 100% spiritual contact. Um, if any ever raised more questions about the, uh, the, the the equipment that we've used, really. Um, but no, um, that, I think Sean is more into EVP at the moment than, than myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm I'm more looking back towards the old sort of uh, seance techniques, you know, like um, 
uh, Ouija boards, you know, that, that sort of stuff. So, so he's more into the, the sort of the, 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 the futuristic or the future of ghost hunting, more into, into the past, I suppose. Steve, what do you think of all this? Uh, with respect to the old techniques, I know that uh, I think there's still a um, value in um, seances, um, particularly if you are um, setting out to contact a spirit. So, you know, if you if you look at the old spiritualist methods, um, red light, a group round table, working over a period of months, years. Uh, to establish uh, communication within the circle, um, I think that still has um, validity because it's still an area that w that we we have questions um, and unanswered questions relating to. As to whether it has any value in terms of spontaneous case investigation, um, ghosts, of course, may not actually be uh, dead people. You know, they could just simply be a recording playing back or they could be some other um, hallucination or they could, in fact, you know, be dead people. Um, we simply don't know. And I don't think that there is necessarily sufficient controls employed using seance techniques within um, a public or a private investigation. Um, it's 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 difficult, and I think it's more entertaining um, and used for amusement rather than actually gaining any uh, or, or forwarding the investigation in any way. That's not to say that it doesn't have its uses, and that's not to say it shouldn't be undertaken, but I do think that you do need to apply a, a level of control uh, to the experiment in order to gain any information from it. What what sort of control could you use on, on a Ouija board um, to try and get any sort of um, result, anything that would that would stand up to scrutiny? Because um, I've always, you know, I've heard people using things like long-stemmed wine glasses or something like that to try and and prevent any sort of fraud or, or any sort of um, uh, you know ulterior motives from, from from being used. How could you sort of control the Ouija board? Well, you can't actually control it directly, but there is a lot of uh lot of ways that you can uh, control the situation better um, and I, I would actually refer refer uh, you to reading um, uh, the the works and the the published works of the uh, early psychical researchers and their extensive involvement with sounds room phenomena and their investigation thereof and the level of controls that they applied it's it's actually um, far more complex than I can we've got time to answer tonight and I'm not evading the question um, and we can maybe talk about it off air another time um, but I would refer you to the works of Harry Price for example who was a great who, who, who pioneered the use of equipment within the seance room uh, particularly working with materialization mediums such as Stella C or the Schneider brothers um, and looking at the sort of controls that he, is, he was applying then and seeing how you can develop them within your particular investigation. Because one set of controls uh, are only really applicable to one set of circumstances. Got you. Cool. Okay, crickets. <laughs> no comments on that one. That one, well. 
I mean, every situation is different, I believe, and so I mean, it, it, you unless you had a particular location where you built a particular, you know, controlled room and did the same thing all the time. I guess that would be the only way you could really get any true control over the situation as far as uh, outside influences or environmental influences. I mean, you're absolutely right to highlight the fact that every investigation location, in fact, almost every investigation um, is unique. Uh, but there are, I mean, there are certain general things that can be applied to to every situation. Um, but in terms of using seance techniques, um, Ouija board or, or straightforward table tipping, uh, all too often it's done almost on the spur of the moment, perhaps almost an afterthought. You know, what what can we do next? Oh, I know. Let's get uh, let's get the Ouija board out and see if we can talk to the dead. There's no real forethought gone into that. Um, controls that could be applied mm-hmm. are certainly in terms of controlling the people, uh, making sure that you know where everybody is at any given time, and also the use of objective recording equipment, such as your night vision cameras, um, for documenting the entire session from you know several points uh, from several viewpoints, in order to at least document uh, the the uh, experiment. But all too often, you're, you, you sort of uh, when these are done, it is very much, in my experience, spare of the moment, and usually not very well documented. Often, uh, a single voice recorder might be might be placed on the table. Often, there are other investigators wandering around, perhaps calling out or doing their own thing somewhere else. Um, there is a whole raft of of considerations that need to be made. Oddly enough, um, Sean, who is very sceptical with a K, um, one of the few experiences that, um, that, that he's had has been on a Ouija board when we investigated Harston House. Uh, and again, he's, he's you know, far more sceptical than Steve Parsons, so it would probably be a bit <laughs> to, get, to, get, um, to get his opinion on it. Um, well, I mean, obviously, on the night it was an experience that... You know, you, you can explain it to a degree. You can say that it, it was subconscious. You could say, um, you know, all, all the different types of things that you can say about what affects the Ouija board makes the project move. I was on the board at the time, and I had a personal experience that came through from a from a family member of mine um, who had recently passed. Um, but I knew all the information that came through, so I'm not in a you know, you're not in an objective position to turn and say, well, that was definitely paranormal. It could have been myself moving the project subconscious that you know mm-hmm. um which, which is how i've explained it away effectively um which is you know one of the dangers of being skeptical and too skeptical to a point anyway um you, you can't explain virtually anything away um so it's, it's trying to keep open-minded but if there was somebody else on the board and i wasn't on the board at that time and that information came through then that would have been a different matter obviously because nobody else that was there that night knew it but because i was on the board then uh, you know I, I, you can't put too much too much into that. I don't think. I think uh, the, I mean there you've got a good example of Andy dropping Sean right in it. Um, <laughs> but 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 Sean does Sean does you know raise some some very interesting points and he 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 raised one 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 thing that we do know and has been long established about the use of uh, the table 
and uh, and also the planchette on the Ouija board. It was established by Michael Faraday way back in the 19th century, uh, and it was his response to the rise in spiritualism. He devised a series of very simple experiments that, that very readily demonstrated that the force for moving the table in table tipping um, comes entirely from the sitters. Now, that might be... Um, that's described by some uh, in terms of spirit acting through the body uh, of the sitters in an unconscious fashion. But it might also be interpreted as simple idiomotor or unconscious muscle movements by the sitters. It's interesting. You know, I always thought that myself. I mean, uh, we I invited a couple of... Uh, Young ladies uh, who do table tipping uh, uh, religiously every every uh, week, they, every Sunday, I guess they get together and, and do it to my paranormal study group. And I saw it, and they did a small table, and you know, you, know, you can see it could be manipulated pretty well. And I, and I watched it, and although I couldn't explain it, I, you know, you still have that same thought about a small table being able to do that. So uh, we did an investigation on Rose Island Lighthouse, and. Uh, I had two gentlemen who never did table tipping before, and we used a small table. And sure enough, we got to do stuff and everything else. But then at the end of the night, we went up into a uh, the kitchen area, and there was a large oak table. It was thick, double pedestal, uh, probably about five feet across, uh, two inches thick at least. And we had uh, seven people on it, and hands on the top of the table. And believers, non-believers, and yet for 45 minutes, that table was jumping, spinning, turning, and then finally, when the spirit left, it jumped up in the air and dropped. And so, to me, that's pretty good evidence, because here we have an object that would require a great deal of energy to move versus, like, a small table. Any thoughts on that? Um. Um, I don't think, for me, table tipping has always been a bizarre one because I've seen, um, I've seen it quite a lot, and I'm I'm aware exactly of you know as Steve was saying you know that it, it can come from you know sitters around the table, mm-hmm. um, but also um, I, I think a lot of it could be down to the power of suggestion. You're sitting around that table and you you are sort of. Um, you're going, if there's a spirit there, can you move the table? And lo, then, lo and behold, the table moves. Um, so uh, I, I, I've not seen anything yet that would make me take any evidence that I got from, from table tipping as, as, as legitimate evidence of the paranormal. So far. Really? So far. If we extend that, though, and we look at the early researches into psychical uh, phenomena, there are accounts, um, documented accounts, where um, the table is... Uh, going far further than merely tipping, where they've actually levitated the thing with all four legs off the ground. Um, and indeed, there are one or two photographs showing exactly that sort of phenomenon. I actually have a video of that. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, it's been documented, and there are sceptics who will question the validity of that documentation. They will say that, that other factors uh, have not been accounted for, that, like that, that. fraud... That, that fraud was, you know, possible um, and hadn't been properly controlled for. But nonetheless, you know, um, I wasn't there. They weren't there. The photographs exist. Um, and we are left with the testament, and that's a challenging testament. That's the cool thing about what we do is, is that 
you know, there's always going to be someone who believes it's fake, no matter what you do or no matter what type of evidence you get. And there are all people that are going to believe every little movement or everything is certainly going to be paranormal. So anyways, we're coming up to the break now. We're going to have to take a break. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles International with uh, Mr. Parascience himself, Steve Parson, and Ron Kolick, New England's own Van Helsink, and also Pembershire Beyond Online. We'll be right back after the following messages. Welcome to Tokenet, radio with a cutting edge. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly kooky, the Parax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parax family. They're strange. Deranged. Unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew. It's time to rendezvous. As we give awards to the Parrax family. All right. Hi, I'm Ron Kolek, author and lead investigator of the New England Ghost Project, New England's own Van Helsink. And I'm Ann Kerrigan, the blonde bombshell, and I'm the lead investigator of East Bridgewater's Most Haunted. And we'd like to invite you to tune in. Ghost Chronicles, Chronicles, the next generation. Every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on www.toginet.com. So, so yeah, what are they going to hear on this stupid show? What are they going to hear? They are going to hear things that they can't believe are happening. Like uh, Beyond Bizarre. And Cemetery Tripping. Oh, that's your deal, right? Absolutely. Yeah, one of these days you're going to get uh, so scared of one of these cemetery tripping things that uh, you'll, I'll have to get a new co-host. <laughs> I am brave beyond belief. Yeah, we'll see. scares me. So anyways, if you're bored and you got nothing to do on Wednesday night, tune in to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Dan and Ron. See you then. back. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Steve Parsons and Ron Kolick and our very special guests, Andy and Sean from Pembroke, I can never say that, Pembrokeshire Beyond, is that right? It's yes. Beyonce. Okay. <laughs> On uh, Pararex, uh, Tojanet, Ghost Channel, and Beyond. Interesting, I see a little chit-chat in the uh, chat room about uh, uh, pendulums and so forth and dowsing. And I've been uh, dowsing for a long, long time. And when Karen O'Keefe came over here a while ago, and the first thing he said to me, he says, you don't really believe the spirits move the uh, pendulum. And I says, well, Karen, you can clearly see that you don't understand dowsing because, of course, they don't. Uh, yet, they're... Uh, how can you say this? You can get good results in it. I mean, I, I know totally clear, even though if somebody has the steadiest hand and you can't see anything, that the movement of the pendulum is actually going through the person holding it. The question is, uh, where is that information coming from? Uh, so a pendulum can be useful, but you have to be careful. What you're actually talking about in the chat room, Ron, is I think it's a, a 
technique called the human pendulum. Um, oh, right, which, right, right, yeah. Which, which I witnessed for the first time. Obviously, I had heard about it, but I witnessed it for the first time this, this weekend, just gone. Um, now, obviously, I had, I had some reservations, ethical considerations about the human pendulum and uh, sort of visions of people being suspended by the neck from rafters and swung backwards. No, that forwards. would be a good trick. Uh, it would be an excellent <laughs> trick. I can think of a few people I'd like to volunteer to be a human pendulum. Um, and a lot of people would probably want to volunteer me. But uh, nonetheless, I got to witness uh, this, this new uh, communication technique. Um, and to be honest with you, um, it is um, entertaining, um, being generous to it. What, what, how it works basically is um, the group form themselves into a circle and uh, the lead investigator calls upon the spirits to yep. uh, select the the chosen one, the, mm -hmm. the person who is to be the human pendulum, by by giving them uh, a push or a shove and moving them forwards, um, and thereby indicating the spirit's choice. So uh, when the lead investigator said, you know, spirits, we'd ask you respectfully to call upon uh, and select your your chosen one and uh, indicate by moving that person forward. It was interesting to see about three quarters of uh, those in the circle <laughs> lunge forward in a sort of slow motion hokey-cokey. Um, <laughs> and, and throughout the session, once, once they'd actually worked out between themselves who was going to be the human pendulum, um, I was sitting outside the circle, and throughout the rest of the, the session, it was interesting to see that uh, the spirits were obviously feeling generous because uh, every time the question was asked, not only did the poor pendulum uh, get pushed to and fro, uh, but it, about, about half the circle were also swaying uncontrollably in various directions. So clearly the spirits were, uh, were around, around and about. Wow, what an energy there, huh? Uh, there was a lot of something there. <laughs> Actually, I, I used that for the first time uh, last October. Uh, Richard Felix told me about it. And oh, I, there uh, he is, Richard again. <laughs> yep, so uh, I couldn't pass that up. So we used that at an event. In fact, we're doing a, an event when Cal comes over here, and uh, we're going to be doing the human pendulum as well. I'm, I'm seeing a pattern starting to emerge here because Richard Felix uses the human pendulum in the Psychic and Science stage show. Tim Jones, who's in the chat room, um, is a great fan of Richard's and I know has been to see Richard several times. In fact, I met Tim at one of Richard's events. And Tim came down to Pembrokeshire and did an investigation with Pembrokeshire Beyond and taught the boys from Pembrokeshire Beyond the human pendulum. So it's all Richard Felix's fault. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's always Richard Felix, we all know that. <laughs> you see what a good investigator I am. See the way I can carve a path backwards through uh, the bullshit. Yeah, but the one thing you don't realize is, is that actually Richard Felix got this information from beyond, so it is divine. Ah, uh, not Pembroke should be in then. Yeah, so that, that's where it all came from. You know, it comes from the other side. Richard is actually attuned to the other side, and he gets these messages from spirit telling him what to do. Well, there Isn't is a link there between Richard and, and, and the human pendulum, that both of them, you know, in the human pendulum, there is a person chosen, the chosen one, and I know that Richard has on several occasions referred to himself as the chosen one. So uh, perhaps there is a link. I, I hope him. he's not listening. <laughs> well, actually, I hope, actually, I hope he is. <laughs> Hi, Richard. Sorry. 
No, actually, I miss him. Richard has done a lot for the paranormal, whether you believe it's good or bad. He's certainly uh, done a lot for it, and uh, we'll leave it at that. So, okay, so anything else that we would like to bring up before I uh, change gears here? Guys? Um, Did they die? Just that... Um as, as far as I know, didn't um, Frank Sumption also get um, the, the specs to build the Frank's box from beyond as well? So now we can connect um, the human pendulum to the Frank's box. Hmm, interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah, but I, I swear that uh, Richard told him that. I'm not sure, but I, I, I could be mistaken. <laughs> <laughs> now, let's, the Frank's box. Uh, you guys familiar with the Hack Shack or the Ghost Box? Uh, do you guys use that in any of your uh, investigations? And unfortunately, we are only familiar with um, um, Steve Parsons' uh, prototypes of a ge of genuine Frank's box. Um, and and once you uh, once you you use them, you, you then sort of forty fifty dollar shack acts don't really sort of cut the mustard, really. Only to which the boys are too tight to spend forty or fifty dollars and buy their own. Yeah, we, we're saving up for our thirty five thousand dollar prototypes. Do like eight bucks here. Yeah. There you Actually, go. Really? Um, if you go down to Radio Shack and buy your own, they're about two dollars. No, I know the type of people that you find at Radio Shack. Actually, they're all ex-scientists, I believe. If, if we come onto the subject of, of Frank's of Frank's box, um, we have moved that way. Yeah, it's it. Do you know that is uh, we've with Kieran and myself, we've we've uh, used. Um, Frank's box in public and in private investigations and what we find uh, to be invariably the case and, and with some, some degree of amazement is the way that even quite sceptical people get drawn into conversations with uh, the box and with the, the, the sort of staggerings and stutterings that come through the ether. Um, and we've 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 stood in in open-mouthed amazement at the elaborate and confabulated tales that people start to create with the box. Um, over the weekend, um, at the same event where where the human pendulum was used, we actually uh, had a se several sessions with the Frank's box. And as one demonstration of it, um, I asked in turn for each of the six people in the group to say their name and ask that the spirits via the box say their name also. And without fail, every single one of them got, uh, got to hear their name said back to them. Interesting. Now, whether, now I didn't hear the names being said back to them, but they all did. Um, but I, you recorded the session. So therefore you could go back and, and clearly hear the names recorded, right? And there was a recording made, um, but I, in in terms of the investigation, it, it wasn't um, a true investigation. It was a public um, event, and we'd made it quite clear from the start that, given the the context and the nature of the event, and the fact that there were twenty plus people in the building. Um, and that we had to demonstrate so many different aspects of paranormal investigation, that what we were really doing was a show-and-tell uh, series of events, giving people an overview of the techniques that are being used in modern ghost investigation, uh, the good and the bad. And indeed, we, we, we also demonstrated several debunking uh, 
techniques uh, we we demonstrated for example how how the franks box uh, sorry how the k2 meter can be seemingly made to uh, respond to questions put uh, so very- in the context in the context of the investigation uh, or in, in context of the weekend it wasn't an investigation uh, it was a series of show and tells okay and since uh, Steve brought up his favorite the k2 meter do you uh, Pembroke uh, beyond use K2 meters. Um, do now. We do. I, I, I did a swapsie with Steve on, on Sunday where I gave him one of our walkie-talkies and he gave us <clears throat> an old Parascience K2 meter. Um, so... Oh, is it not? No. I, I, I was just being dismissive then, sorry. He gave us a, a Parascience K2 meter. Um, so we're, we're just sort of getting to grips with that, but I know I'm certainly aware of some of the... Um, the, the ways now that, that that can be manipulated, um, and, um, and and made to look like something it's not. So um, no, it, it was a very very interesting weekend, I have to say. It was a fun weekend. Oh, is, Sean is still there, then is he? I am still here. Yes, I'm still here. I'm just just listening more than anything else. Ah, right. Okay. Um, yeah. So so our our use of the K two meter um, is is limited, but now that we've got one, oh, the YouTube videos we can make. You know how uh, things flash through your mind, Ron? You just realise that I've probably unleashed a monster. Oh, you probably did, you know. What do you mean? They're all going to be doing Exquisite Corpse by next weekend. Uh, they'll be doing Exquisite Corpse and, knowing these guys, they'll have, uh, they'll have incorporated a K2 meter and an Iovolus into it also. Watch, I'm going to put the K2 YouTube meter underwater. <laughs> I'm going to put watch the K2 meter underwater. I'm talking over you deliberately. I'm trying oh, not okay. so people didn't so that people didn't hear that one. <laughs> okay, sorry. But we got it through anyways. He said he was going to put the K2 meter underwater. <laughs> <sighs> put the investigator underwater with a K2. I'm missing you spin on it. Uh, okay, you you guys laugh, but okay. We did an investigation this past summer. Um, it was a ghost hunt on a boat. Uh, we went and cruised the Atlantic to find uh, if there were any spirits like hanging around or anything. And part of the thing, what we did is we did EVPs on the water, and supposedly at the site of a, uh, a U-boat uh, that had gone down off the Atlantic coast. And oddly enough, the voices that we did get uh, were in German. Hmm, that's very interesting. Um, uh, what sort of, of radio? Sorry, what sort of radio were you using, Ron? It wasn't a radio. It was it was a microphone that was uh, placed in a uh, tube, sealed tube, and then dropped below the boat oh, into the water, uh, like a hydrophone. And, uh, and that's how we did it. Uh huh. We, we had a very similar experience um, when we were um, with Steve Parsons at a place um, up here called Haverford West Governor's House, which is in the grounds of Haverford West Castle. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did a Frank's Box session there that was led by Steve. 
Um, and we started hearing, it seemed, lots of French radio broadcasts and that sort of stuff. Um, and we knew that there had been French soldiers that had been kept as prisoners of war um, at Haverford West Castle. Interesting. Um, so we had very sort of, uh, you know, mixed thoughts about that. Is there any way that, that you know, the spirits via the Franks box could have been manipulating the radio broadcast to, to play primarily French broadcasting noises for the sounds to, to, to try and put some sort of message across? Um, so, so it's it's very interesting for, for us to hear stuff like that, especially you know if if it's underwater and it's it's mainly German. Because I should imagine, um, being in America, you're half the world away from Germany. Yeah, uh, I so would think so. You can't really bump into sort of um, you know German radio broadcasts, whereas over here, obviously in the UK, um, we can get radio from you know Lithuania and and, and that sort of stuff. So we, mm-hmm. you know, so, so that's quite interesting. Yeah, the interesting thing, too, is is because the microphone was placed underwater, it certainly is under in a more controlled environment that I would think than, uh, for instance, in, in the open air where you could pick up waves, like you said. It would certainly Unless remove... there were any German fish. Sorry. Well, it would certainly remove uh, an, one obvious explanation, and that is that, that people, you know, the people on the boat themselves were, were, were speaking and that the microphone was picking oh, it up. Oh, that was definitely removed, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I wasn't there, and I, I haven't heard the recording, but um, I would perhaps question whether it was uh, you were dealing with... Um, the, the the sounds you know the sounds of the of the ocean itself being interpreted um, by by the people. Sorry, my chair's just collapsed. Sort but, of like uh, space matrixing, only audio yeah, matrixing. Yeah. So if, I mean, to, to give it tax term, audio matrixing. Uh, I mean, that that not saying that was the case, but that's certainly an area that I would want to explore and eliminate as being a possibility. Before, yeah, that's before. A, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, definitely an interesting uh, thought, uh, Stephen. So, uh, yeah, we'll take a closer look at that. I think that would be uh, most interesting to see if that happens. I mean, that's unfortunate. No matter what we do, as, as long as we rely on our own senses, then there will be interpretation. Well, I think that's inevitable given the area of uh, research in which we're all involved. However, um, as, as, as you know, I, I strongly advocate uh, both the subjective experience, but also the objective measurement of those experiences wherever it's possible. So, for example, um, and has happened, people in a room uh, or a location start saying that they feel cold or that the room feels icy cold. Their descriptions might be a little bit elaborate. Um, for example, I've heard people say it's like walking into a refrigerator or... Mm-hmm. or uh, now. It's possible with modern technology such as the thermal imaging camera um, and the, the uh, sort of data logging and other remote sensing thermometers to actually document the temperature and see if there is a correlation, a link between the subjective reports of temperature changes and actually objectively measuring temperature changes. And I know that has, that's, uh, that's happened um, in a, in, on one occasion involving myself and Kieran um, but going back to temperature, I think that's possibly one of the most interesting areas of psychical research and one that's oft, so often overlooked or, or badly uh, dealt with in terms of paranormal investigations. All too often, paranormal investigators are 
rush headlong for the for the seance table and headlong for for uh, the psychic experiments when perhaps if they if they took the time to properly document the temperature um, they may actually start to make some interesting discoveries and these aren't new discoveries way back in the early part of the 20th century uh, psychical researchers um, noticed and measured properly measured using uh, at the time state-of-the-art accurate thermometers recording thermometers that during se uh, seance room phenomena the temperature did indeed change in inexplicable ways right. um, and 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 of course uh, changes in temperature are also uh, anecdotally and instrumentally recorded and reported uh, from from haunt locations and so i think temperature is probably one of the most overlooked um, and missed opportunities in modern paranormal investigation. And instead of rushing out and buying K2 meters and all the Frank's boxes and all these other wacky range of gadgets that people prefer to use, full-spectrum cameras included, if they spent some money and equipped themselves properly with a set of data-logging thermometers um, mm -hmm. and simply recorded the temperature throughout their investigation... I think that we would actually start to make some interesting discoveries. I agree with you. Actually, guys, we're going to have to take a short break right now. Uh, we are going to play a little episode of uh, my favorite, Beyond Bizarre, with from Vala Ventura. Maybe. Maybe he had a point. An agoraphobic man who had vowed never to leave the house again after he was assaulted at age 18 decided, after 30 years of self-induced imprisonment, to take a walk outside. The strain of being out was too much for him. He suffered a heart attack while strolling along. And the accidental tourist. A tourist visiting San Francisco in 1964 was involved in a minor cable car accident. As a result, she sued the city of San Francisco, claiming that the incident had turned her into a nymphomaniac. She won the case and received an award of $50,000. Another terrifying tale from the Book of the Bazaar, available wherever books are sold. Now that's bizarre. A nymphomaniac. That's all it takes is getting hit by a cable car. <laughs> wow. Anyways. Over here. We do. North Wales. <laughs> do you really? Uh, you, yes. You, we, have a, hmm. we have a country full of mountains over here, Rob. Yeah, we have a couple of camel cars, don't we? A couple of different places. Interesting. You, yeah, uh, okay, I know that we're just about out of time, but we're definitely running down time. It, 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 we really have been dominating the conversation on you guys from uh, Pembroke. Pembroke uh, beyond, so Pembrokeshire beyond. Oh God, I can never get that. So, I mean, uh, this is your chance to let us know what you want to talk about. I mean, what ha is on your mind? What are you interested in doing the paranormal? And what do you want to find? Um, I mean, I mean, what, what, the reason we do it and what what we do is is we do it because we're a group of of guys that that enjoy doing it, so we're doing it more for fun than anything else. Um, if we can help to document some things and, and, and push things further forward as we go, then, then fantastic. 
Um, but but we do it because we enjoy, you know, and enjoy getting out there and and, and investigating in, in the style that we do. So you know, that's that's what we do. That's what we're in it for. I mean, I'm I'm personally looking more into into EVPs just in the early stages at the minute of researching um, all the past data at the minute. Um, but like I said, we've got a team of people that believe in in a wide range of different things. So it's just trying to to get all of their beliefs together and, and, and just to enjoy it. So that's that's what we do and why we do it. So, you know, I don't so think... So what, what hope do you... What is the Holy Grail? What do you hope to achieve? What what would, you know, really make your day, basically? Um, I think it would be um, legitimate um, paranormal experiences, really. Um, one that, that hopefully will have documented um, enough so that we can, um, when, when we see Steve, we can go, hey, Steve, look what we got, um, and, and give him all the evidence and hopefully just, just make him scratch his head for a little while. That, that, that's the holy grail for us at the moment. I'm giving Steve Parsons something to think about. <laughs> well, you know, the interesting thing about it is, is no matter what evidence you get or what experiences you have, you will not. Uh, make everyone a believer. So, I mean, in a way, we're kind of spinning our wheels that, you know, we, you know, even if we got the most documented evidence, then we still would have people who would poo-poo it or, or deny it. Yeah, I, know that, agree? I know that from my own experience with orbs. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So no matter what, what orb, uh, you know, what evidence we have that orbs are spirits, Stephen will never believe it. <laughs> <laughs> there is actually a website now. There's a dedica dedicated website for orb believers, uh, which I happily and readily refer them to. Um, and it belongs to the Flat Earth Society. There you go. <laughs> but, you know, I mean... The interesting thing, we do do this, and, and, and we document it the best we can at times. Uh, we're on the field, so it's difficult. So, for instance, we're doing that, that table tipping thing. I mean, we put a camera on, on you know, facing down on a table, one underneath the table, and yet when I show it to people, they'll say, well, you know, somebody must be moving with their knees over there. Uh, uh, thing. You know, it, no matter how well we doctor it, there, there's always going to be some type of skepticism or denial of it. So, you know, is it that we're really trying to find proof of the paranormal, or is it kind of like what you guys are? You're just there to experience it and to just uh, retell your experiences. Um, go, on, go on, Andy. I, I was going to say, um, I think to, to there's a very popular saying that, that goes around my house, which is to, to the believer that no proof is, is needed, but to the skeptic, no proof is enough. Um, and I think that, that all we can possibly aim to achieve is to experience the paranormal um, and to hopefully, um, to, to as a side thought, document it. I think there will you will never be able to provide um, everybody in the world with with legitimate watertight evidence that, that there is something out there. So I think you've just got to sort of try and, and prove it to yourself. 
um, if, if you want to, or to, to 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 disprove it to yourself, if you know what I mean. I think the you know, experiences are so personal that you have to take from them what you will. So if I you know I have a par- have an experience that I can't explain, um, you know, I, I chalk it up to to some sort of uh, you know spiritual contact or, or paranormal activity. Whereas you know the more skeptical members of the team, like Sean, will always be trying to find that um, that 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 excuse that 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 the explanation. Um, explanation sorry for, for what it could have been and, and we'll we'll search high and low until they find an explanation that they can you know fit to, to, to their scenario so i think it's a bit thankless really because i don't think we'll, we'll ever get enough information or get enough evidence it's, to prove the, the thing that i think is 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 the person that does you know prove the paranormal or prove prove that spirits exist or prove what this communication is that person's going to change the world, you know, change change the whole belief structure of the whole world. It's a massive thing that we're actually looking for and trying to prove. And the person that does provide that is going to change the world in such a radical way. Religion will change, the way we live will change, what we think about will change, the way we view death will change. It, it's a massive, you know, world-changing thing that, that we are looking to try and find. So, I, I don't think that... W- that really is that way. Uh, anyways, I just heard the bell, and I know the pizza's yeah, here, so that means we've got to wrap it up. <laughs> so, you know, there's a, there's a lot that we don't know about, and the interesting thing about the paranormal is we don't know what rules apply. And I've had quantum physicists on the show before, and I have all, all kinds of scientists, and, and they know there are so much that we don't understand. There could be 18 dimensions out there right now, and we don't even know them. And we don't even know what uh, uh, laws of physics apply to the other side. So there's so much unknown that we don't know. So I don't think we're ever going to find that world-changing thing unless we have spirits that can come here and everyone can see and interact with them. Sort of like, you know, the day the Earth stood still and the UFO landed on the lawn of the White House. No, I don't believe that happened for a minute. Ha! <laughs> um, can, I, can I, before we go uh, this week, can I recommend a book? Um, Absolutely. We have about one minute. Okay. Um, it's, it's by the American psychical researcher, Harold Carrington. Um, and he wrote uh, in the early 20th century uh, a book called The Problem of Psychical Research. It's available all over the place. It's a free ebook, um, and I would recommend that people read it. It makes for some very thought provoking uh, reading. And he poses an interesting question right at the start Is psychic research a science? Interesting. Hmm. So book of the science week. really science. Ooh. Anyways, this is the tunes. I can't hear them. I can't hear them, but they're uh, they tell me they're there. So it's kind of like spirits. I don't see them, but I know they're there. So, anyways, we have to wrap it up. Steve, thank you so much for being uh, the uh, you know stud double for Mr. Cal Cooper. I appreciate that. That's and okay. uh, Andy and Sean from. Uh, uh, Pembrokeshire Beyond, thank you so much for coming in and uh, putting up with our nonsense, especially <laughs> Mr. Stevens. Especially thank Stevens. Thank you very much. Thank you for that additional uh, layer of compliments, Ron, and I'll see you next week. Yes. Absolutely. So don't forget to tune in Ghost Chronicles Next Generation tomorrow night with Ian Kerrigan, The Born Bombshell, and Ben Helsink. See you then. Good night and God bless. Goalies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord. <laughs>